Hello and welcome to Lessons with Dad. I'm here with my daughter Ruthie. Hi. And we are going to, this is the next to last episode in the book of Acts. We're going to do chapters 25 and 26. We're going to read both of them in their entirety. There are some short chapters, so we're going to go through, but a lot happens here. This is, this is a cool section. I'm excited about this, Ruthie. So we'll see what happens here. Uh, if you remember from last time, Paul wanted to get back to Jerusalem. He went back to Jerusalem. Immediately, the Jews are upset. Uh, he's arrested. They plot to even, and then he, he says, hey, I'm a Roman citizen. And then everybody goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. The, the Romans realize that he's got rights. And so uh, then there was a plot to kill Paul, and they rushed him over to Caesarea under with hundreds of, literally hundreds of guards protecting him. So this is a big deal. And then he spent two, do you remember how long? Two full years, Ruthie, in Caesarea with Felix. And he kind of is doing this as a favor to the Jews, right? The Roman people that are in charge, it's very political. They're, they want to make Rome happy. And how is Rome happy when there's no disturbances in the territories that people are ruling? And so Paul has somewhat some fame as a famous prisoner in this area. He's been there for two years. Festus, who was the over this area before, he's succeeded by this guy, Festus. And so I'll start reading here. So Festus is a new guy. He comes in and look how fast. I mean, right off the bat, boom, the Jews from Jerusalem waste no time to come in and press their case against Paul. So let's see what happens here. I'll begin verse 1 of chapter 25, Ruthie. Three days after arriving in the province, Festus went up from Caesarea to Jerusalem, where the chief priests and Jewish leaders appeared before him and presented their, 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 presented the charges against Paul. So right away, as soon as they come, what's first on their agenda? Paul. Let's go after Paul. They urgently requested Festus as a favor to them to have Paul transferred to Jerusalem, for they were preparing to ambu an ambush to kill him along the way. Festus answered, Paul is being held at Caesarea, and I myself am going there soon. Let some of your leaders come with me and press charges against the man there, if he has done anything wrong. After spending eight or ten days with them, he went down to Caesarea, and the next day he convened the court and ordered that Paul be brought before him. When Paul appeared, the Jews who had come down from Jerusalem stood around him, bringing many serious charges against him, which they could not prove. Then Paul made his defense. I have done nothing wrong against the law of the Jews or against the temple or against Caesar. Festus, wishing to do the Jews a favor, and see this, Ruthie, you realize Paul has done nothing wrong. Just like we talked about before, Jesus had done nothing wrong. But that doesn't stop the Jewish leaders who want, don't want anyone to distract from them uh, to go after him. And so Festus, wishing to do the Jews a favor, said to Paul, Are you willing to go up to Jerusalem and stand trial before me there on these charges? Now, Paul knows they want to get him back to Jerusalem, the headquarters of the Jewish church, and he knows they're going to try to hurt him and do things. So this is a big deal. Listen to what he says. Paul answered, I am now standing before Caesar's court. Right? He's saying, I'm right here. I'm in Caesar's court. We don't need to go back to Jerusalem is what he's saying. But I'm now standing before Caesar's court where I ought to be tried. I have not done any wrong to the Jews, as you yourself know very well. 
If, however, I am guilty of doing anything deserving death, I do not refuse to die. But if the charges brought against me by these Jews are not true, no one has the right to hand me over to them. I appeal to Caesar. What do you think that means, Ruthie? I appeal to Caesar. Mm. Do you know who Caesar is or what Caesar is, what that role is? Like a king? The king of what? Uh, no, no, take a I guess. Forgot. So you're right. He's the head. Caesar is the head of what's the empire, the leading empire of this whole time? The Roman Empire? That's right. He's So Caesar is like the head of the Roman Empire. Caesar is the highest person. So he's appealing as a Roman citizen. He appeals to Caesar, which Roman citizens have rights. So he makes this appeal. It's a big deal to make this appeal. Uh, we don't understand all the things with this, but we, you can even just by reading this, you'll understand what's going on here. After Festus had confirmed with his council, he declared, you have appealed to Caesar. To Caesar, you will go. And where do you think Caesar's located? What's the head? What empire is it? The Roman Empire. So where is the head of the Roman Empire? In the center. Of what? In what city? It's not a trick question. It's Rome. So he knows he's going to go to Rome. That's where, you know, Jesus had appeared to him in a vision or in a dream and told him, don't worry, you're going to go to Rome. And in, in next chapter, when we read, because he's on his, he's wanted to go there for a long time anyway, but he didn't plan on going there in chains or in, you know, as a prisoner. So he's saying, you'll go to, you'll go to Rome here and, or to Caesar. All right. So. Let's read here, if you'll take on in 13, Ruthie. A few days later, King Agrippa and Bernice arrived at Caesarea to pay their request to Festus. So again, here's another kind of like an area, a person that's over a larger area. This is King Agrippa. He's over Festus. And so he's coming in and kind of making his rounds to the different areas. And like everything, he wants to see who kind of the famous people are and talk to different people of of note in that are living in kind of the area that he governs. So that's what he wants to see. Since they were spending many days there, Festus discussed Paul's case with the king. He said, there is a man here whom Felix left as a prisoner. When I went to Jerusalem, the chief priests and elders of the Jews brought charges against him and asked that he be condemned. I told them that the, that it is not the Roman custom to hand over any man before he has faced his accusers and has had an opportunity to defend himself against their charges. When they came here with me, I did not delay the case, but conveyed the court the next day and ordered the man to be brought in. When his accusers got up to speak, they did not charge him with any of the crimes I had expected. Instead, they have they had some points of dispute with him about their own religion and about a dead man named Jesus, who Paul claimed was alive. So I like this, right? I, I like this point because now the Romans are saying, what's Paul saying? That Jesus is alive. Again, in some points that the Jews are bringing to him, Paul's done nothing wrong. All right, continue on. I was at loss how to investigate such matters, so I asked if he would be willing to go to Jerusalem and stand trial there on these charges. When Paul made his appeal to be held over, 
for the emperor's decision, I ordered him held until I could send him to Caesar. Then Agrippa said to Festus, I would like to hear this man myself. He replied, tomorrow you will hear him. All right, continue in verse 23. The next day, Agrippa and Bernice came from great pomp. and came with, came with great pomp. Came with great pomp and entered the audience room with the high-ranking officers and the leading men of the city. At the command of Festus, Paul was brought in. Festus said, King Agrippa, and all who are present with us, you see this man. The whole Jewish community has petitioned me about him in Jerusalem and here in Caesarea, shouting that he ought not to live any longer. I found he had done nothing deserving of death, but because he made his appeal to the emperor, I decided to send him to Rome. But I have nothing definite to write to his majesty about him. Therefore, I've brought him before all of you and especially before you, King Agrippa, so that as a result of this investigation, I may have something to write. So he's got a now because because they were they didn't let him go and they should have let him go probably a long time ago. Paul's made an appeal to Caesar, the emperor of the whole world, the at least the Western world at that time. Um, and so he's made his appeal. He's got to send him to the emperor. He's got to send, why am I sending this man to you? What has he done wrong? What is he charged with? And he really has nothing other than some minor points about Jewish law, which certainly would not, I, thought, I don't think the emperor would be excited if, if uh, someone in his, you know, from one of his areas sends somebody there for such a minor thing that should have been solved locally. And that's what they're afraid of now is don't send them all the way to Rome to see the emperor on some minor thing. So that's the end of 25. I'll pick up in 26 verse one here. So then Agrippa said to Paul, you have permission to speak for yourself. So Paul motioned with his hand and began his defense. King Agrippa, I consider myself fortunate to stand before you today as I make my defense against the accusations of the Jews, and especially so because you are well acquainted with the Jewish customs and controversies. Therefore, I beg you to listen to me patiently. The Jews know the way I have lived ever since I was a child from the beginning of my life in my own country, and also in Jerusalem. They have known me for a long time and can testify, if they are willing, that according to the strictest sect of our religion, I lived as a Pharisee. And now it has become now, I'm sorry, and now it is because of my hope in what God has promised our fathers that I am on trial today. This is the promise our 12 tribes are hoping to see fulfilled as they earnestly serve God day and night. And what he's talking about, he's saying, hey, right here, Ruthie, he's saying this, this promise to their fathers and these 12 tribes are hoping to see fulfilled is that the coming of the Savior which he, which he knows was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. But that's what he's saying. I'm on trial because I believe that Jesus Christ fulfilled that prophecy. O king, it is because of this hope that the Jews are accusing me. Why should any of you consider it incredible that God raises the dead? I love, and I love how he puts this. Why should any of you consider it incredible that God raises the dead? 
I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. So he's going back. He's going to give again. I think this is the second second time in the book of Acts he's given his uh, testimony, um, and it was done done before. Maybe it's the third. Well, it happened for the real time the first time. So on the authority of the chief priests, I put many of the saints in prison, and when they were and when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. So he's saying he had people killed because they were Christians. Many a time I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished, and I tried to force them to blasphemy. In my obsession against them, I even went to foreign cities to persecute them. On one of those journeys, I was going to Damascus. And remember, that's the road that, what happened on the road to Damascus? What happened to Paul on the road to Damascus? Take a guess. You were there. You know the answer to this. I was there. Yeah, I mean, what? we've re- we've been through this a couple times. Um, what happened to Paul? What? Who did he see? What happened? That's where he had his conversion experience, Ruthie. You know this. All right, but we'll go through it again because he's going to tell his story one more time. He tells it over and over and over again wherever he goes. So, I was going to Damascus with the authority and commission of the ch- of the chief priests. About noon, O king, as I was on the road, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, blazing around me and my companions. We all fell to the ground, and I heard a voice saying to me in Aramaic, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It is hard for you to, to kick against the goads. Goad, yeah, the goads. Then I asked, Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, the Lord replied. Right, so this is his conversion. This is where Jesus meets him on the road to Damascus and blinds him. I'll let you continue right here, right after. It is. What's he say in verse sixteen here? Now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen of me, and what I will show you. So that's what he was. That's his job. He's appointed to be a servant and a witness. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles. I'm sending you to them to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So awesome. Right here, he is given a personal mission from Jesus Christ, right? He is stopped. He's blinded on the road. He is face to face here, blinded by Jesus and given a mission that he's to take the word of Jesus to the Jews, but also to all the Gentiles, which he's done. That's his mission in life. That's why he's in jail. And it's really cool what he does right here. This is going to be pretty fun, Ruthie, because he's in front of all these uh, Roman people, all these uh Gentiles, the non-Jewish people, include and Jewish people. But let's let's see what he does. He's given his testimony, and what, like most people, when they give their testimony, they want people to believe what they believe. So let's see what he says. So then, King Agrippa was not disobedient to the vision from heaven, first to those in Damascus, then to those in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and to the Gentiles also. I preach that they should repent and turn to God and prove their repentance by the deeds. By their deeds. So, right. That's what he's saying. 
I, I am only following what I saw myself and what the vision that God gave me. All right. That is why the Jews seized me in the temple courts and tried to kill me. But I have had God's help to this very day. And so I stand here and testify to small and great alike. I am saying nothing beyond what the prophets and Moses said would happen, that the Christ would suffer and as the first to rise from the dead, would proclaim light to his own people and to the Gentiles. Awesome. So he's saying that we all know this. This is in the prophecies. This is in the Old Testament. This God has told us his plan for a long time. And the prophets had said it, that the Christ would suffer and as the first to rise from the dead would proclaim light to his own people and to the Gentiles. Awesome. So he's using his imprisonment to just continue to preach and preach and preach. He is, this is awesome. I mean, it's just so neat to see how clear and simple he makes the Christian faith, Ruthie. He doesn't make it complicated. Just believe in Jesus, repent from your sins and turn to God. All right. At this point, Festus interrupted Paul's defense. You are out of your mind, Paul, he shouted. Your great learning is driving you insane. <laughs> so they, so what's he think? He thinks he's crazy. You, you, you must have seen something. But no, what does he say? I'm not insane, most excellent Festus, Paul replied. What I'm saying is true and reasonable. The king is familiar with these things, and I can speak freely to him. I am convinced that none of this has escaped his notice because it was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe in the prophets? I know you do. So he's saying, hey, this all happened right around the corner here in Jerusalem. This didn't happen in the corner somewhere. This was, everybody has seen this. Everybody has seen the miracles that I've done, that Jesus did, that Peter and the other apostles have done. They've seen the power of the Holy Spirit. This isn't something we're just making up, and it was done in plain sight in front of everyone. Then Agrippa said to Paul, do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? <laughs> I didn't know that is awesome. So here's the king sitting here listening to him. And what's Paul doing? He's trying to get him and his wife to become Christians. Bam, right there on the spot. He's saying, look, I know you know this. And I know what I'm, you know what I'm saying is true. You've seen and heard all the rumors about this. Do you think you can convince me to be a Christian this fast? Because that's what Paul's doing. He is telling a story, not just to save himself, but to save other people with the truth of Jesus. All right. Paul replied, short time or long, I pray God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am, except for those, these chains. That's right. He's saying, I pray, whether it's a short time in just one speech that I'm given or one you know, testimony that I'm given or a long time that every person that hears me becomes a Christian. And the only thing I want them to be just like me, except not in chains and in prison. What an awesome statement. The king rose and with him, the governor and Bernice and those sitting with them. They left the room and while uh, talking with one another, they said, this man is not doing anything that deserves death or imprisonment. Agrippa said to Festus, this man could have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. Well, that, that, that concludes chapter 26 there. And that, I mean, just awesome to see what Paul's doing. And yeah, he, 
he um, made the claim to go to Caesar, but really they'd have probably handed him over to the Jews and he'd have been killed if he'd gone back to Jerusalem. So he, he did what he did and it was probably through the Holy Spirit that he made that. But what an awesome experience where he's coming in and all he does is stays bold, gives testimony and tries to convince every person he comes in contact with uh, to become a Christian. So, uh, pretty exciting and neat to see. And next week when we get together, we'll go through the last two chapters, kind of see where, uh, where this is going and how Paul gets to Rome, uh, does the same thing there sets, sets up his, (laughs) his station there and just preaches and preaches and preaches every day to try to convert as many people to become, uh, followers of Jesus Christ. And then after that, we're getting ready to go into our next series on personal finance. And I'm really excited. This book, I've been going through it. I got, I was working with Meredith today, Ruthie, to help her follow some of these principles. It's a lot of what we do, but I've, I'm learning a lot going through this. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to go through what, what are some of the topics we're going to cover in personal finance? Um, credit cards. That's right. What else? Um, maybe like investing. We're going to go over investing. What else? Saving. Saving credit scores. Uh, we're going to go what, what credit scores are. We're going to go over what accounts you should set up, right? Meredith's just getting out there and getting her first job. What kind of accounts should she have? Should she have checkings, savings? Uh, what kinds of credit cards should she have? One credit card, four credit cards, Uh, There's a lot to go over. This book is a great guide for it. Really exciting. And it simplifies things for everyone. So uh, hope you join us on that journey as well. But we're really excited. Next week, join us for the conclusion of the book of Acts. And Ruthie, I want you to get prepared. I've got a couple questions for you. Are you ready? (laughs) Are you? So don't need to answer them right now. I want you to think about these before our next recording. And so I'm going to ask you this. Why did we read these two books of the Bible? What do you think we got out of them? Why were they important? I want to understand, I want you to kind of reflect on going through the, the, we went through the uh, book of Luke and then the book of Acts. Why are they important? Why did I, we spend, you know, more than six months, almost a year going through these two books of the Bible Uh, and I want, you know, to have that foundation before you go off on your own as a young woman off to college and out of our house. So I want you to reflect on those. And then in between, after we get done with our next series, we're probably going to go over some of the tough questions, uh, that people and young Christians, as they go out into the college world, what are they faced with, uh, when they get to college and meet a lot of people that don't believe what they believe, we'll go through some of that, but prepare yourself because, uh, I'm not going to try to put you on the spot, but I do want to understand what you learned and what you thought of this entire study. Have you, what do you, have you enjoyed going through the Bible like this? Yeah. Well, good. I like seeing like how, um, some of the people, like how long they preached for Mm -hmm. and like how much they like traveled and like taught other people. Yeah. About Jesus. Yeah, it is neat. Paul, by far the biggest of those. And what I love about this in in the next two chapters, we've talked many times. Luke is writing the book of Acts um, in 27 and 28, the last two chapters. 
you see that through this whole journey, uh, Luke is right there side by side on these ships going through storms on the way to Rome and in Rome that Luke is right there with him. And it's just, it's a, it's just a really cool story to have someone that's right there along this journey. And it is neat to your point to see how far they traveled, the people they touched and what they did. And I, I almost wish the other, uh, the original apostles, right? Peter and, and John, as they went and did things, because this is kind of following where Luke went as the author, of course, he's going to write what he saw and was a part of, um, would have been neat to have a similar account of the start of the church from their perspective. Certainly the beginning of the book of Acts really follows Peter and, uh, the day of Pentecost and when they received the Holy spirit. But, but you're right. That I, I do find that neat. I'm glad you, you enjoyed that part. Well, good. Any other comments or thoughts before we wrap up today? No. Well, listen, I appreciate everyone joining online and uh, thank you for listening to lessons with dad.